Hi, it's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters, the podcast where we cut through the clutter to focus on what matters most to your life and your livelihood. Thanks to the incredible support of RBC, we are focusing the next 10 episodes on the heart of our economy, small businesses. Small business matters, and it's in our collective interest to keep them beating strong. We'll travel across Canada. We'll meet small business owners across a number of industry sectors, tourism and hospitality, healthcare, technology, and many, many more. We'll learn about the owners' dreams and aspirations and their challenges and how they're managing since COVID-19 has essentially shut down our economy. We'll then seek the advice of some of Canada's top thought leaders to provide the entrepreneur, well, all of us with timely and much needed insights, ideas, and inspiration. Small business matters. RBC and I both believe that when we personalize an individual story, we also take their challenges and quests personally. In doing so, we'll continue to rally support and commitment for this very important sector. On this episode, my guest is Paul Hambro. His business is Health Hub Solutions and puts patients at the center of their care, their health care. The challenge, though, is how can Paul and Health Hub Solutions sell the future when their customers and hospitals are in triage trying to navigate the present? Paul, welcome to the podcast. Tony, thank you for having me here today. Health Hub used to be the hospitality network, a highly profitable business that rented TV sets to patients when they're in the hospital. It's probably as far from the future of healthcare as you could be. Two years ago, though, you were interviewing there, and in front of the CEO and the board, and all the pride they had in this successful business, you took this bold and courageous move. Tell us about it. My background and experience in healthcare uh, told me that this business had a very definite end to it. It had been around for 50 years, but yet no means for the future. So I opened my presentation up with uh, what I would call a clock. And that clock had uh, the hands at, set at one minute to midnight. And so I turned to the board and the CEO and I said, that's the life expectancy of your business unless you do something dramatic for change and uh, facilitate change in the organization. And did you give them a sense of what that change would be or just simply that you were this sort of change agent that could come in? Well, the, the change I spoke about and went into in my presentation was talking about the need to switch, to be digitally engaged with patients, to make patients at the center and help guide their journey. And the traditional means that they were doing it from a TV, a one-way direction conversation, really needed to change, and it needed to be current. It needed to what patients expect today. So the board buys into the need to change. They bring you in, you get involved, but you realize you've got some major obstacles. What were they? Uh, it was the organization's ability to change. Um, the, the organization couldn't take on that task of change. And our private equity investors at that time didn't have the appetite for the risk and the, for the path forward. So at that moment, what I did was decide to find a partner and the two of us went to the market to seek another private investment uh, firm that could support our vision, support the path forward we saw with this business. And when we successfully uh, found that partner, we came back out and purchased Hospitality Network and took it forward to the vision that we see now, which is Health Hub Patient Engagement Solutions. For the entrepreneurs listening, some great advice from Paul. 
Sometimes the obstacles in front of you aren't customers not wanting to buy or competitors trying to take your business away. It's your legacy organization and unwillingness to change, not buying into a desired future state. So what Paul did is he said, we have to find a way to fix that. And by bringing in new capital that bought in to the future, they released the old capital that didn't. And that gave them the freedom to pursue what they did. So Paul, you buy this business and you've gone through a major, major uh, reinvention from you know renting television sets to Health Hub. Talk to us a little bit about what Health Hub Solutions does. It was an equipment company. Now we're a digital healthcare company. So immediately we had to hire new staff, new personnel. We had to change the culture. It had to be one that was rooted in healthcare, healthcare understanding, and then bring the young technical minds to the company to start to build those solutions and applications meant for patients in healthcare today. Uh, that has taken about a year to get to that point. And, and again, it was, uh, it's changed across the board. So shifting your customer's perception, the hospitals from, isn't that the company that used to just rent television sets for patients to being a, a, a digital healthcare solutions? That's a wide gap. That would, that would be like McDonald's trying to convince me they're in fine dining. How did you go about getting hospitals to start seeing you in a very different light? The, the change in the name was significant. We really want to show and position it. Uh, Health Hub was very much at the key of this, uh, it being that it was a hub for communication for the patient. We want to show our new brand, show the empathy that we have for patients and the understanding that we have for patients in hospitals today. And then we further want to go down the path with customers and start to talk about what healthcare could be in the new digital age, enabling a two-way communication where patients could see their records, have access to information, uh, be able to engage with family members from their hospital bed, and start to support those ways of communications with the patients. So my experience in business-to-business -business selling is you run into three kinds of buyers. You have the economic procurement, and they want to buy it at the best possible price. And you have the technical buyers that want to know if your mousetrap fits with their mousetrap, and they get sometimes a little offended when you're bringing them an idea that maybe they should have had on their watch. And then you have the strategic buyers, which are the people really deciding on where their business is going forward. Who did you have the most success with trying to convince them that, that the legacy of the past was gone and this bold new vision was going to be what your business stood for? We had to really take the time to change perceptions from the C-suite all the way down through procurement, the clinical front, and start to demonstrate and show what the vision of a connected patient could mean for healthcare and the outcomes and the benefits of that. So it took quite a bit of time to really do that. I think we probably spent about a year, we're about a year and a half into the business now, a year of trying to do and create those conversations. How tough was that year? Because when you go in bold, you've got new investors, everybody's hoping for immediate results. And something like that seems to take, it's a long selling cycle. How did you keep your resilience up and how did you convince your investors uh, to stay the course? I call it the apology tour. As I visited hospitals from the West Coast to the East Coast, I would meet with the C-suite, the key opinion leaders in the hospital, to start to talk about the vision we saw for the future of a patient that's connected through digital technology at the bedside. 
And we'd start to get them to see a different path forward and, and start to get them to shift how they thought and how they would go to market on this. A year of apologies. When did you start believing that you were on the right track? We believe we were on the right track when we successfully won a innovative procurement uh, RFP with South Lake Regional Hospital in Newmarket. Their ask was not to look for a TV solution. Their ask was actually to look for a communication hub. And that communication hub, they didn't give a lot of details to, but they said, we want patients connected at all steps and stages through the hospital. Tell us how you'll do that. They actually opened it up. About 50 different companies applied from North America. And we were the successful ones that won that agreement and actually have launched that product in the market. I would say that was the tipping point for us because it really showed and demonstrated a different line of thinking and a new way of healthcare. What I really like about what Paul's doing here is from a technology point of view, we often get so excited about our mousetrap and we might do beta testing, but we just want to make sure the customer likes it. This is a highly collaborative effort and the success of it is that he can now go to the marketplace and go, this is not what we wanted to build. This is what the customer needs. And that validation is an instrumental part of going out and saying, this is the future and I don't want you to just believe in it. I want you to see it happening now. So Paul, so you're going through this and you've got, you're starting to get, uh, that's your first traction. From that point on, are things changing or is South Lake just an anomaly and you're going back to the, 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 the days of just knocking on doors and getting nowhere with it? Things are changing. Uh, South Lake could be seen as a leader. It is now one of our core hospitals for references other hospitals have reached out and looking to understand what South Lake has done and how they've done it. So it is being a reference in the market. And I can say that from Halifax, from Nova Scotia, out to the West Coast. Um, hospitals are seeing what they're doing and, and trying to understand how they approach this and the way it was done. So it is a, um, a big key for us. So if I can just compress this quest, they take a legacy business over, they bring in new investors, hire the kind of team that can make that vision come to life. They spend a year pounding and knocking on doors. They have their first breakthrough. That breakthrough now just opens up a path for this business to go through. You're getting wins and you're getting traction, but you're about selling the future of healthcare. And then COVID-19 hits. On this Wednesday night, the coronavirus officially- And hospitals can't even imagine what the future is gonna be because they're just trying to survive the day. What's happened to your business and what are some of the moves that you're trying to do to at least keep it in check? The coronavirus is a pandemic. I would say for the first couple of weeks, it's been very reactionary. We've been responding just to support the hospitals. We have over 200 hospitals as partners across the country. And it's really supporting them, first of all, just from the uh, supply of entertainment content. Um, with patients being in isolation and not having access to visitors, we have maintained that constant base. Now what's happening is with isolation and, and visitors not being allowed to visit patients, we now need to connect with them. So what we're quickly seeing is hospitals actively seeking our service for video conferencing, the ability for patients to connect with their family outside the walls, doctors to connect with the patients, um, managing the whole isolation component as quickly uh, 
emerged as our new trend. In these times of uncertainty, Paul's a company that actually knows he's got a future. In fact, he knows that this, that COVID is actually going to accelerate the demand for the kind of thinking and solutions and hubs that they're bringing into the marketplace. But that's not the, the issue. The issue is surviving today, navigating these choppy waters. And the only way he can is with his financial institution. Paul, what are you doing to make sure they stay on board? Because we don't know how long this is going to last. I think for us, we're struggling. Uh, we've had to do some layoffs. We're trying to understand the federal programs are there for support. And we're trying to work with our banks to the best of our ability to understand how cash flow will manage us through this situation. Um, but we don't know how long this will be. We know at the end, there will be a rainbow in the sense that hospitals will have a new vision to what a connected patient means and means to healthcare. It's just that we have to be able to manage through this time and whether it's a month, two months, three months, that's a long time in business with uncertainty that we haven't felt or heard yet at this point. So that's where we're struggling. I love what Paul's saying that, listen, I'm doing my part to meet with my customers, to communicate, to say we're there for them. And I expect the same from the people that support me. Coming up, I take Paul's story to some of Canada's leading financial and strategy experts. I get their input and insights to help Paul and Health Hub Patient Solutions get to where they need to go. I must give a huge shout out to RBC for sponsoring the Small Business Matters series on Chatter That Matters and for running excerpts on 67 radio stations across Canada. I'm a big fan of RBC not just because they're one of the world's best-run and most respected banks. It's because of what they do to help all of Canada. Take Future Launch, a $500 million investment to help Canadian youth find and pursue their path in life. Or the investment RBC makes in arts and culture, in amateur sports, and in building our new economy. When COVID-19 hit, RBC stepped up with millions of dollars to support food banks and essential services. And they had only one ask for this series, don't make this show about RBC. Make it about the small business heroes. And speaking of heroes and their quest, let's get back to see what the experts have to say. Paul, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure to be here. So I met up with four experts who listen to your story and have some credible advice for you and your business. And what they did is, which I really like, is they all seem to talk about your current situation where you're struggling with your bank and having to make tough decisions, your future aspirations, and you'll be happy to hear that all share a very positive view towards the business you're building. But they also talk about you, your stress, your resilience, and your leadership. Where I want to begin is I want to talk about your banking situation. Because it's such a focus of where you are today, I brought in two experts from RBC. First one's Laura Davies. She's the National Director of Retail and Healthcare Segments. And I also brought in Sid Paquette. When Sid joined RBC, he made a lot of news because he brought in a, a wealth of sort of intellectual and financial capital deployment expertise. And today he's their head of technology and innovation banking at RBC. 
fairness to both of them, I didn't mention what competitive bank you're with. I didn't share any numbers. I simply asked them for how they can help an entrepreneur like you working through these times manage and even enhance your banking relationship. So I want to begin with Laura. Laura had four points and three were a lot less to do about banking and much more to do about you. Let's listen to them. Don't think of your banker in isolation to the rest of your advisors. It's never been more important, especially in a time like this, that we're all working together and all working in step to do what's best for for our client. Number two would be the narrative. Make sure that you're you're telling us your story. What, What are you looking to achieve and how do you want to get there? Being forthright has never been more important. We really are all in this together. We're not looking by any stretch of the imagination to to pull away. We, we want to ensure that our clients are successful. And finally, Paul, her advice for what every entrepreneur must have stitched to the sleeve, especially during these times. Cash really is king. So understanding what is your cash position today? And then what is it going to look like in three months, six months, nine months? And Paul, interesting enough, Sid Paquette was on the same conference call. He's quarterbacked some of Canada's top deals before joining RBC. And here's what he had to say. At the end of the day, we're here, here to help companies scale. And so what Paul needs to do is allow us to come into the tent. We can't problem solve if we don't fully appreciate the issues. And the other thing that Paul needs to take into consideration is we're not dissimilar from other capital providers, whether it be venture capital, private equity, or the public markets. Paul needs to avoid surprises. What I like about what Sid says here is you're not alone. Even Canada's biggest bank, there's no normal. I think everybody would appreciate that reinventing yourself is important. We understand that more than anybody. We're consistently reinventing ourselves internally at RBC. So whether you call it pivoting or exercising optionality, that's the world we live in. We get it. So Paul, we two experts Laura Davey comes in and talks really about relationships, transparency, share your narrative, and understand also that cash is king. Sid echoes her points, but really talks about inviting your banker into the tent and making it part of the solution, part of your quest versus just there to provide capital. Any thoughts on what they had to share with you? I think two that really stand out to me um, would be the reinventing of the business. I think looking at how this, our business will survive in the new economy of healthcare is going to be so important for us. I think we have to re-examine how we've gone to market and what we can do to meet the healthcare needs. And that might be different from what we've done in the past. So I really like that idea of taking that deep look. And I think the other thing is too, is really laying out a strong fundamental path of what cash flow looks like and how we can manage uh, the bank and our investors and manage that path forward in a clear, concise way as well. Some really good points, thank you. Paul, the experts I now bring in really focus on strategy. The first is David Kincaid, left a stellar career in brand building 22 years ago, and he created a company called Level 5 Strategy, which is Canada's preeminent boutique strategic firm. And Dr. Trung No, who's president of Nova Healthcare, who not only knows how to navigate the healthcare system, he's also a thought leader and resilience. Dave comes out strong with his first piece of advice for you. Have him step back and figure out how to articulate the benefit, the benefit of the technology, not the capabilities of the technology. 
Dave knows how to sharpen the lens and focus on what matters most. So I asked him to put his lens on your business. And here's what he had to say. We don't just produce something. We actually enable something. And I do believe Paul has a great opportunity to change the frame of reference from being, well, we got televisions in hospital rooms to actually being this higher order emotional and rational benefit discussion around connectivity. We bring people together. So, Paula, I know that a lot of that thinking mirrors what you're doing in terms of taking the business forward, but it's always great to hear one of the leading strategists reconfirm what you're doing. And then I wanted to ask David about leadership and his experience on leaders dealing with times like this. People emotionally react to a short-term reality. And if you're leading others, um, they're looking not for somebody that they can't put their confidence in to lead. They want somebody who can provide answers, not more problems. That's some sage advice from David Kincaid. Any thoughts? Moving our company from more of an equipment, a feature-based business, to actually having emotional feeling, actually connecting to what healthcare workers are trying to do in hospitals are trying to achieve with that emotional connection is key for us. And I think we really need to start to focus on that. We're now going to talk to Dr. Trung Ngo, who's found a way to create a path where people with different influence and authority join forces to make the kind of change happen. The first thing I asked Dr. Ngo is, what did he think about your idea? If he looks at only the hospital beds inside of the hospitals themselves, that's limiting his potential. What about the people who are staying in, in bed in their own homes, in um, post-surgical care? Their connection to the hospital might be limited. Here's a chance for him to use his technology to connect not just people in the hospitals with the outside world, but the people from the outside world to the hospitals. You know, Paul, we've talked about this very thing and your eyes shine when you talk about where you see the future. And maybe it's not five or 10 years out because he's providing you the insight that this is an incredible opportunity. I also talked to Dr. No about your resilience. Dr. No, resilience is key. What's your advice for leaders to have the resilience to manage these tough times? When they fail, they blame themselves because they just didn't do enough. And this becomes a huge uh, source of anxiety and fear of failure. And in business, it, it never ends because you're, once you've achieved one thing, there's another thing that you have to succeed in. And I think this ethos is eating away at a lot of, of uh, business people right now because it, it, this constant pressure breaks down a person's psychological and physical resources and leads them to all sorts of ailments. Paul's like a lot of entrepreneurs. He's a high achiever. He wants to make a difference. He wants to move the yardstick each and every day. What advice do you bring to entrepreneurs that are wired that way? Instead of focusing on the achievement, develop your basics. Um, then embrace ch challenges. You, you can't control the outcome of those challenges, but you'll always learn something to further hone your basics. 
And the more you've mastered your basics, the, the better you'll be at navigating future challenges to increase your chances of success. That's the, that's the recipe of resilience. Instead of striving for a win, strive to be better. Paul, that's some pretty powerful advice. I mean, he starts off by looking at your business and saying it belongs everywhere. And then he gets quite deep because he realizes that what you're dealing with internally could also be a barrier to what you want to achieve in the marketplace. What are your thoughts on Dr. No? When I look at our company and where we're going, I think it's really time to look at our roadmap and what's going to matter for the healthcare economy in Canada as we go forward. So really examining that. And then really part of that too is how I lead and how I support my team to achieve those goals. Um, is it about having new insights? Is it about developing better solutions and more about how we look at it from a longer term view than the short term win? So I think that's great advice for me to move forward with. And I think you've got to take a strong listen over the next couple of days on the sense of achievement versus focusing on the basics, because this isn't a marketplace where you're going to hit it out of the park every day. And sometimes just be, just feel good about the fact that you're getting up and you're standing at the plate and you're waiting for the next pitch. And I want to finally end with a piece of advice from Dr. No on how you deal with your uncertainty. The stronger this foundation is for him, the calmer he'll be during any of these challenges. So uncertainty can become more exhilarating rather than draining. Uncertainty can become more exhilarating than draining. That switch, when you can turn that switch on, I think that's the true DNA of an entrepreneur. You've been an achiever your entire life. You went into this business, you reinvented it, you brought in new partners. You had, you had the courage and humility to bring in a CEO because you wanted to be the second in command. You spent a year and you called it the apology tour, but you never quit. You kept banging on doors and you had a major breakthrough. And then COVID-19 hits. And even though you have the future of patients' health care in their hands, nobody's paying attention to the future right now. But that doesn't mean you don't have a future. Clearly, your relationship with your bank focus on the narrative, have them come and step with you, have them inside your tent, understand who you are and why you matter. Your quest is to help patients get to where they want to go. Nobody wants to walk into a hospital. Nobody wants to stay there. But if you can bring them connectivity, you can bring them certainty and control. You are on a quest that is magical and purposeful and one that's going to attract investors. It's going to attract employees. It's going to attract hospitals. And most importantly, it's going to attract the attention of who matters most in your story, the patients trying to get better. Paul, thank you so much for being part of Chatter That Matters, small business series presented by RBC. Tony, that is awesome stuff like that. I'm excited here because I actually have Larry coming into the office today to start to reimagine the business. This is huge fuel for me. So this is great. Really good job, Paul. Yeah, thank you. To find details on how RBC supports its business clients, visit rbc.com business. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, tonychapmanreactions.com. 
Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions.